0: Lord Jesus, we thank you and praise you for the way you make yourself manifest to us. Um, especially um, through scripture But the way you make yourself known Through um, through art and culture And through nature itself um, All creation All of what you've created And all creation that all of us Your creatures have created It all points to you eventually And so we ask Lord That even as we study this film And look at this film That definitely has Christian themes Would you point us ultimately To who you are In your great love for us and then, Lord, would you give us eyes to see you in many places? Would you give us eyes to be able to um, to proclaim your name among peoples who don't know you yet? Um, would you give us that ability by your own grace, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So I have to see this with every film class I do, um, which is that... Spoil- that give you a spoiler alert, I will talk a little bit about the ending. If you're super observant, you'll notice that I'm talking about the ending, but you might not, you know, it, it. here's what I say though, with films that I'm gonna talk about here and with this film in particular, it is so worth seeing on your own that even just knowing a little bit of what happens makes it still worth seeing, and it actually helps ask those big picture questions that the film asks, but I'll give you a pause, so if you don't want to know too much about the ending, you can, I I won't. my feelings (laughs) will be hurt if you leave right now. Um, So this film, Silence, is based on the novel of the same name by a man from Japan named Shusako Endo. It was written in 1966, and it's based on historical events in, in 1600s Japan. The film's premiere this year, if you've heard about it, was held in December at the or November, excuse me, at the Vatican itself. So in some ways, Rome is approving of it on some kind of level, although there's a lot of debate about that. We will talk about that later. Um, I mentioned already it only received one Oscar nomination for Best Cinematography, which I think is disappointing. The cinematography, don't get me wrong, is really beautiful, but I think the direction is really good as well. Um, and um, some of the actors are interesting you've read anything about it, Liam Neeson um, doesn't play the main role, but he's more of a secondary character, Um, and yet his character was originally meant to be played by Daniel Day-Lewis, another favorite of Scorsese, Um, and um, and it was in pre-production for so long. It was actually, there were a lot of legal battles about who would get to produce it, and so it took a while, and then um, Daniel Day-Lewis had to forego being in it, and so he got Liam Neeson instead. And then it also, oddly enough, has Andrew Garfield, and um, um, I was calling Kylo Ren, but his name is Adam Driver, <laughs> but he plays Kylo Ren. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but he's also very good. Uh, interesting that Andrew Garfield is nominated for Best Actor this year, but not for this film. He's nominated for Best Actor for um, Hacksaw Ridge, which is Mel Gibson film, which also has really strong spiritual elements to it. Interestingly enough, Andrew Garfield, as he plays this Jesuit priest, he had actually, in preparation for this role, he went through all of the Ignatian spiritual exercises. He was led through them by, um, by a Catholic priest. And so he really went method on this one. But, um, and the priest was pointing out, it seemed as though the actor really seemed changed by undergoing these Christian spiritual exercises on the other side of them. So another interesting fun fact. That being said, let's watch the trailer if you haven't seen it yet.
1: Our Lord said to them, Go ye into the whole world and preach the gospel to every living creature. Forever is lost to us. He denounced God in public and the faith. That's not possible. Father Ferreira risked his life to spread our faith all over Japan. It seems to me that our mission here is more urgent than ever. We must go and find Father Ferreira. This is in your heart, then, Father. Yes. And I must trust God has put it down. The moment you set foot in that country, you step into high danger. <laughs>
0: film? Anybody seen it yet? I know, we saw it together. <laughs> Honestly, I'm like scared to go see it. Tell me more. Why are you scared to like, I, don't, I
1: feel like there's just going to be a gruesome crucif- crucifixion like something that
0: I can't. Like, if Mel Gibson were the director of this film, it'd be all blood and guts and be like, I can't watch um, but the suffering, there is some martyrdom and there is some pain and suffering, but it's 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 not so pushed in your face. It's actually the agony is more emotional um, and and spiritual that especially that the main character Andrew Garfield plays is in that his name is Father Rodriguez so I will say don't worry about that it is two hours and forty-one minutes long so we definitely had to take a couple breaks <laughs> so that's where maybe waiting till it comes out on video and then you can pause it right. you know do something else okay now I'll go back to it that could be a good thing um, anyone else seen it not seen it reluctant to see it Okay. yeah I'd yeah, it's good. It's not playing widely, so you've got to find the theaters. It's still in the theaters this week, I think, um, but it just, it didn't open widely in December and then January 13th, it opened um, in all theaters, but only two theaters in Birmingham had it and other showings um, at the summit, it was showing at 7 o'clock at night and 10 o'clock at night and I was like, well, that's not going to happen. And so The Edge has it at 3 o'clock, so um, let's listen to a couple of quotes um, from some commentators. Sorry to be reading to you. This is the power of silence. It leaves no protagonists free of moral burden and proposes no firm conclusions to the ambitious questions it takes on. If you like something to be tidy, this is not the movie for you. It poses more questions than it answers. Some of the questions asked by silence, as another um, reviewer says, uh, he goes through all these questions on rogerebert.com. How many, how much suffering can a man take before breaking and renouncing that which is most important to him? If he does break, does it mean he has failed God? Does God want him to resist blasphemy no matter what the cost? Or does he want the priest to give up and renounce his faith, secure in the knowledge that God's love is great enough to forgive him for not being able to endure unendurable pain? Is God indifferent to the suffering? Does he even notice it? You see a lot of these questions being asked throughout. I'm going to go through the plot in just a minute and you'll see how these questions are asked throughout the whole um, film, but I want to show you just this quick clip of Scorsese being interviewed and it's amazing. I don't know if you know this, but um, Martin Scorsese was, um, he tried to be a priest. He thought he might be a priest for a while. He was in a preparatory seminary when he was a teenage boy. Um, he his His faith grew, he really found a haven in the church as a young child. When he was living in a bad neighborhood, he had asthma, he was kind of sickly, and he really found um, that the church was an escape from the streets. He liked the idea of missionaries He loved the thought of their courage and their compassion, and he eventually realized that many are called, but few are chosen. And so he didn't actually feel called to be a priest. Um, But he has, if you look at all of his films, even the most nitty-gritty commercialized films, there is um, a real sense of sin and evil in his films. There's a sense of contrition and repentance also in the longing for restoration in them. So this particular film he tried to make for 28 years. The book was given to him um, in 1988 by the Episcopal Bishop of New York King Paul Moore, who I'm not endorsing in this, (laughs) but that particular Bishop um, was a fan of his earlier movie, The Last Temptation of Christ, which is probably one of his most famous religious movies. Um, I actually, as a child, protested that movie with my parents on the streets of Pittsburgh <laughs> because, because, of, because of the themes in it, it's um, really considered to be a, a totally unorthodox portrayal of Jesus Christ. And as an adult, when I actually saw it, I was certainly shocked by many things, but the things theologically that I was most shocked by surprised me. Um, the things theologically that I disagreed with about the film were the most surprising. This film, I feel like, is far more orthodox theologically than The Last Temptation of Christ. So if that's what comes to mind when you think of Scorsese in some kind of religious film, fear not. Um, He's said, you know, he's been on a journey, and he's arrived at this place, I think, of actual faith, um, where his faith is um, more orthodox than perhaps it used to be. So here, listen to him on talking about his faith. For a long period
1: of time, I was fascinated by the uh... stories of the missionaries uh, when I was about eight or nine, ten years old. And I wanted to become a married on mission missionary. Well, I thought this would be an amazing picture to make at some point. At first, I, I didn't really immediately know, while I was reading the book, how to realize it, make it real. There's a few scenes in the film that uh, that affect me. There's no doubt. That's my
0: favorite scene in the whole film, and the favorite scene of lots of Orthodox Christians. You'll see why. One of the
1: uh, martyrs uh, in the ocean. And while we were there, you could feel it. When we were shooting it, I'm telling you, you could feel it. Well, I think it's the depth of faith. It's where one. It's the, the struggle for the very essence of faith. The vehicle that one takes towards faith can be very helpful as the church, it's the of the church, the sacraments, uh, this all can be very helpful, but ultimately it's, it has to be yourself. Do we have that kind of faith here in America? Does our culture reflect that? I don't know if it does. I think I thought for years about other ways, other ways of thinking, other political systems and economics, other religious aspects, other religions. You know. But my roots are here, so uh, I hope that there was a place that I could explore those thoughts and those contradictions in an intelligent way that's still within the uh, Christian faith. What's that process like for you spiritually? It's a pilgrimage. We're still on the road. It's never going to end.
0: Isn't that interesting he does seem to articulate a real faith even though he's a little squirrely on saying we have to be the instrument of um, of our own faith what I think what he's trying to say is we are each individually responsible for our own faith and he goes on later in the interview to talk about ultimately it comes down he says the church and the sacraments can be helpful but ultimately it comes down to yourself and your own relationship with Jesus That's what he said so um later no on I know, exactly, that's why I didn't get of Um But he talks about what's so compelling um, for him about this story is that there is this act of faith that the main character, Andrew Garfield's character, Father Rodriguez, um, um, his perceived act of faith is actually considered an act of apostasy in the eyes of all within the Western church. Um, and so we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about what is that and what does it mean um, how can we understand that? How are Christians, um, both Catholic and Protestant, understanding that as they watch this film? But so again, the film is about faith in the internal struggles of these two priests, two young priests, who are, um, they're Portuguese. They go to Japan. Um, the reason they go to Japan is because one of their mentors, uh, another Portuguese priest, who has been their um, confessor, their teacher in the faith, he has been there for longer than them, for 10 years, or, you know, before they get there, he had been there for about 10 years. And he word has gotten to them that he has apostatized, um, meaning that he has um, forsworn the Christian faith and um, and denied Jesus. And so they're they're doubtful of this and they want to go and find out for themselves. So they they managed to get to Japan um, and so Father Garupe and Father Rodriguez, so Adam Driver and Andrew Garfield land in Japan not knowing anyone, they uh, managed to get a very unsavory translator and guide that they found in um in I think in in somewhere in China, who's helped them get over to Japan. Um, So they don't have any way of trusting anybody. They don't know where they are. Um, They're hiding out in this cave, and these um, people start to approach them, and they're afraid their lives could be in grave danger if they're discovered. Because what's been happening, um, which, excuse me for not saying this, with Father Ferreira, the Liam Neeson character, their mentor, um, has written to say that the Japanese... Government has been persecuting Christians pretty clearly um, basically Torturing them and killing them um, unless they denounce their faith in Christ Um, And so eventually Father Ferreira has done this as well according to rumor So they know that their own lives are in danger the moment they set foot on Japanese soil But even so they go for it and there they are even in some of the early scenes of the film You see them ministering to these Japanese Christians who've been hiding out in their villages in secret, they've been worshiping in secret at night, um, and it's a very Catholicized missionary movement. You have to understand that. And so, as an evangelical, as a Protestant, seeing it, I'm like, "Where's the preaching of the word? Where's the?" Um, but they're longing for these priests so that they can receive the sacrament of Holy Communion. They're longing for these priests so that they can confess their sins and receive absolution because they didn't have that afterward, you know otherwise um, they want their babies to be baptized but there is this deep sense of faith among these Japanese Christians who've been hiding out for so long so the two young <laughs> priests arrive um, and then they move on to another um, village they try to find more Christians they found more Christians over there but as it turns out the Japanese authorities get wind of their presence there as there's more Christian activity and they enter the original village and they start persecuting the leaders of the hidden church there. And so what you see is that um, that scene with those three crosses, I wish I could have gotten it on YouTube but they didn't have it anywhere, Um, so you'll just have to see that movie, the movie for that sake, these beautiful, incredibly good Japanese actors are portraying these three leaders in the Christian church in that one village. And because they are unwilling to step on an image of Jesus Christ, essentially, remember, with this Catholic view of images, stepping, the stepping on the image of Christ is a way of denouncing Christ. And so it's a physical act that would deny Christ. They're unwilling to do so, and so these leaders within the church are hung from three crosses at the, at the um, breaking of the waves so that as the tide goes in and out, they'll eventually be drowned. Um, and it's very sad, but very beautiful. The level of their faith is so um, pure and so strong. They are so willing to die for what they believe in, um, for Jesus Christ himself. And um, so that that is worth the price of admission alone, just to see that faith and to be encouraged by it, to see the ideal lived out right there, played out, that gift of martyrdom that they have. Um, then you see with these other two priests, when it comes to the two priests, the Japanese authorities, as they eventually get their hands on them, they would rather not torture and kill the priests themselves. Over time, they've come to realize that torturing and killing the priests themselves doesn't help them um, cause Christianity to become extinct in Japan. What they want is they want the priests to deny Christ publicly so that then the people stop believing. Um, and because they see that these people are willing to die not just for Christ but also because there's this, um, this priest there encouraging them and counseling them and so they want, they want the priest to deny Christ rather than kill the priest, they'd rather have them deny Christ and that's apparently what Ferreira has done um, so they really toy with Adam Driver's character and especially you see it with Father Rodriguez Andrew Garfield's character In his whole journey, his whole question is does he undergo martyrdom for the sake of Christ? He seems enamored of that idea. He seems enamored of being a martyr. Um, it almost appeals to his young pride. I'll die. And yet they're not trying to kill him. And so he's got to figure out um, what, what, how, how is he willing to suffer. And his suffering is much more internal. As he struggles with this idea of the fact that these lambs of this flock that he's leading are being led to the slaughter one by one, are suffering and dying, and he has to watch that. And um, the authorities are saying to him, you follow the path of mercy. They know enough about Christianity, and they're likening their Buddhism at different points to Christianity. They're saying, basically, what would Jesus do? And they're saying, Jesus would not allow these of his flock to suffer like this, um, and nor should you. In other words, you should renounce your faith so that these Japanese Christians are spared. So the the anxiety, the angst for him is really an internal one, not this struggle with, am I going to be in physical danger? Does that help? Okay. I'm going to read for you some of the, um, just some of the script. I couldn't find all these clips, unfortunately. I won't do it dramatically, so hopefully it won't get in the way. (laughs) Um, (laughs) No dramatic readings today. (laughs) Um, so uh, So Rodriguez, Father Rodriguez, Andrew Garfield, doesn't seek to escape his own torture and suffering as much as that of the flock. After he sees one of his flock, who is, they're all in these cells, and so he's in this compound where he can see what's going on outside, he sees a member of his flock beheaded for not stepping on the image of Christ. And Father Rodriguez prays, Eternal Lord of all things, I make my offering with your favor and help. For your greater service and praise, I wish and desire to imitate you in bearing all injuries and offenses. Martyrdom, holy martyrdom, is that what this is? Is that what I've been preparing for and praying for? But when I pray now, I feel I'm blaspheming. And you answer with all I deserve, with silence. He hears no answer from the Lord about what he's supposed to do. Um, One of the... um, Oh, I'm going to keep going. I won't comment on it. for Okay. He keeps saying um, now about Jesus. His sweat became like drops of blood. Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, why have you forsaken me? Your son's prayer on the cross, a cry of fear and despair. You were silent, even to him. Why? Why have you forsaken us? And at times, this um, father even goes a little, he goes a little crazy as he's contemplating all this. You see him get a little mad. He goes, it's stupid. It's ludicrous. Um, uh, There's one sense in which he witnesses the other priest crying out as the Japanese are drowning some of their flock. He witnesses his friend, Adam Driver, say, cry out, Lord have mercy. And he's having a flashback to it. And as he's kind of going crazy in his cell, he thinks he's not gonna answer. God is not gonna answer you that prayer, Lord have mercy. He's just not. Um, And there's one point where he perceives that he is about to suffer martyrdom. He still doesn't realize that they're really playing with him. They're really trying to get him to renege his faith. Um, And they're not going to harm him physically. And yet, even in anticipation of his own potential suffering, he says, um, in the garden you said, my soul is sorrowful even unto death, and the drops of sweat on your brow are like blood. I would bleed for you. I would die for you if I knew you. Are you here? You were the joy of my life. Now I am afraid of you. What can I do to feel your love for me again? So you see, he has this sense of longing for God's presence, and yet he hears only silence. He has this longing for direction from the Lord about what is he supposed to do, and he doesn't hear from the Lord, which um, one commentator, David Neff, who was the former editor in chief of Christianity Today, um, and actually when I lived in Wheaton, Illinois, almost yes, 20 years ago, now um, he was he was the choir master at the church, the Episcopal Church I attended in um, Glen Allen. But he um, he is a great writer and good. Uh, he has a good sense of Christian history, especially. And He talks about this idea of um, Polycarp and. Um, perpetua some of those early martyrs and even Joan of Arc and he points out that um, that we hear these stories of these famous early Christian martyrs and they have all these visions from God they have such clear assurance and um, we we see that um, but it's likely that in most cases um, that most everyday martyrs might not get those visions Of Christ right as they're about to die it might look more like what this film depicts this long arduous internal spiritual struggle okay I'm gonna pause any thoughts about that that's so that's where I'd say Mel Gibson it'd be all blood and guts and gore and Scorsese it's this internal struggle that's hard to witness again it's not a feel-good movie (laughs) I was hoping to do this one first and then do La La Land second but this one wasn't in theaters yet. Was okay. this based on any sort of uh, truth? Or is it so, uh, Sh- uh, Shisaki Endo's novel of the same name, or Shisako Endo, his novel, Silence, is, it, it is based on some historical accuracy. So, um, but his, and one of the questions he really asks in the novel, the novel's called Silence, he really is looking at how could someone from, how do you How do you meld together a culture that's so different, like Japanese culture with a Christian faith and that's really one of the biggest questions in his in his novel and that's actually one of the points that Father Ferreira, when eventually Father Ferreira, Liam Neeson, and Andrew Garfield do meet, um, Ferreira is talking about some of the reasons why he apostatized, and he seems to have lost faith that any of the Japanese could actually become Christians. Because he wonders, he says, they're just dying for you. They're not dying for Jesus Christ. They don't understand Jesus Christ. Part of me is like, that's because you didn't give them a Bible. But <laughs> that's the evangelical in me. You <laughs> gave them mass and told them about the Son of God. But no, no, <laughs> give them a Bible and then, <laughs> then we'll see. Um, but so that's part of this um, Questioning going on within their own heads. What you know? Is it really true Christianity that's taking root? Honestly, though, that's not for them to decide, is it? That's up to the Lord, who's the one who um, speaks to people in their hearts and can communicate. Yeah. Do you leave the living with uh, some sense of reassurance, or are you just yeah yeah yeah? I would would say so. What would you say, Scott? Yeah, Yeah, I would say that. Yeah, but there's also a lot of ambiguity. Too. there's so much yeah. ambiguity but but okay there's one piece that Martin Scorsese adds to the film that's not in the novel and I think it points to the fact that Scorsese is actually a Christian even though he's under he's a, a very um, compromised Christian I think he recognizes he's a compromised Christian because of his role in Hollywood and so I actually think um, I actually think that some of this um, Compromise he relates to, and I'll talk about that in just a little bit. Um, but so, okay, let me show you one more clip. This is a scene. Yeah, please. Yeah, Mary. Do you think that this is any commentary on the shortcomings
1: of the church?
0: Any commentary on the shortcomings of the church? Um, I think that I don't think Scorsese is commenting on the shortcomings of the church. I think he's more focused on the individual struggle of faith. And is it possible for an individual? to do things that don't seem like um, things that a Christian should do, and yet still have a deep and lively, lifelong faith. I think that's the question he's asking. And I think he's hoping the answer for himself is yes. Yeah.
1: So when does this take place?
0: The whole movie d- takes place in the 1630s and 40s. How's that? For- a question in Please. Um, the Catholics didn't give their own people up. For us. Uh, I mean, right they latin? didn't get Hello, yeah latin? no i know and you'll see them do, doing the mass in latin in japan you're like what are they going to how yeah, are they going so to get with that how are they going to help them at all and i know does does uh, andrew garfield's character the question is does andrew's car is he is he hanging on this idea of having a response from god to bolster his you know his strength Ultimately, it come, yes, it, he is hanging on to this idea of longing for a response from God in or, order to bolster his faith, but he also, he approaches, and Liam, we're going to see Liam Neeson say this to him, you're so arrogant, you think that your suffering is just like Jesus is suffering, and he said, none of these Japanese Christians thinks that. They're just suffering. They don't liken themselves to Jesus because they're humble. You and your pride think you're like Jesus, and and you see that a lot of the human pride goes into the success of this missionary endeavor. And so, in some ways, if he apostatizes and and admits failure for this victorious Christian mission, um, what then is he admitting? Is he um, is he admitting? There's some thought that perhaps what he's doing is he's actually finally humble, realizing that he himself is a broken and sinful man and not this perfect padre, this perfect priest that they can look up to and look to. No, actually, he sort of gets out of the way. And points to Jesus Christ That's ultimately what I think And that's why even though there are so many Catholic themes That's why I think it ultimately Is a truly Christian movie With themes of real repentance and forgiveness um, Even in the midst of the Qualifying and the compromising Of faith Uh, So I
1: think it's funny like The um, struggle for
0: uh, validation Through signs and everything um, My wife always talks about God things And I kind of am like yeah, okay, you know, the fact that
1: you had a conversation about something that you know, you were saying and and it, it's um I forget the part of the Bible where it's like a simple generation looks for something yeah. and everything and you're just it is weird. I mean, you know, in my quiet times in the morning I there are times where I'm like, Man, I feel
0: dumb right now. I'm just kind of like saying things into thin air. Yeah. And it, I mean you know, I mean I yeah I don't think it's indictment necessarily that you struggle with the fact that like are you there? <laughs> You know? Yes, exactly, and so, and I think you're absolutely right, Rhett. That this idea of longing for a sign—it's part of our own human pride and our unwillingness to be left in the silence, in the midst of um, our suffering, or even just our day-to-day drudgery—that we we would rather have these um, dramatic breakthroughs all of the time, and yet the the a theology of the cross again the difference between a theology of glory and a theology of the cross theology of glory looks at the resurrection and triumph and victory and says that's when God's really doing something is when you see some results when you get a sign when you get something flashy when um, you're on top of the world it's that mountaintop experience that's exalted and you say God is at work there the theology of glory or theology of the cross is really the theology that says no God is at work in, in in the cross that's when God is achieving our salvation and we can trust then that in our darkest um, moments, in the moments of silence in moments where we hear nothing from him day to day we can trust that he's actually doing something um, and so that's a much surer hope to cling to and we point, we cling to it because we look to the cross and we say no that right there is the rem- our constant reminder that when we don't have a flashy um, quiet time and we're bumbling through it and we're like I got nothing here trusting that that's when the Lord is at work through us uh, and I would say this movie looks to that and actually just depicts the theology of the cross in a good way um, once, once Rodriguez gets out of the way unfortunately okay so this is a clip right before um, honestly right before uh, Andrew Garfield apostatizes he does he caves um and Liam Neeson here is Neeson here is telling him to cave Um so there's your spoiler alert. Sorry. Don't you Jesus, don't run. Let me see, I'm going to go back.
1: Don't speak to me. You have no right to speak to me. How no, I do? Because you were to fight like me. You see Jesus at Gethsemane and leave your is the same as his. Those fight from the pit of suffering too, just like Jesus, but they don't have your pride. They would never compare themselves to Jesus. Do you have the right to make them suffer? I heard the cries of suffering in this same cell, and I acted. you excuse yourself! you excuse yourself! That is the spirit of darkness! <laughs> and what would you do for them? Pray? And get what in return? Only more suffering. The suffering on the you can end. Wow. Not God. Oh, you I pray too, Rodriguez. It doesn't help. Go on. Pray. But pray with your eyes open.
0: Get the little Hollywood eyes there. Pray, but pray with your eyes open. Um, it's playing again. Sorry about that. But did you hear that? Liam Neeson is telling him, you you liken yourself to Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. None of those Japanese Christians out there who are actually suffering, they were being tortured as they spoke, none of them are considering themselves as Jesus in this. They're just... Suffering, and you can put an end to it the moment you apostatize. So essentially, in the um, the actual film, he has this line that feels very Hollywood: "Pray with your eyes open, watch and see what they're doing, and make your decision based on that." You, you know, God is not going to spare them from this torturous death, but you can, from the moment you apostatize, they'll be set free. And um, and so Liam Neeson is um, in the screenplay, which I suspect is closer to the actual novel. Um, His words are different. Neeson would say, um, A suffering um, they will get, when you pray, they will get only more suffering. A suffering only you can end. Not God. You can spare them. They call out for help just as you call to God. He is silent, but you do not have to be. If Christ were here, he would have acted, apostatized for their sake. Christ would certainly have done at least that to help men. Do you hear? Underneath that, the evangelical, what would Jesus do? <laughs> Here he's saying, what would Jesus do? Jesus would, um, Jesus would denounce his faith so that these people can live, whether he's actively denouncing his faith in his heart or not. And so that's the question that persists throughout the rest of the movie. Though the main character has denied Christ publicly, does he still believe privately? And, and I think Scorsese clearly believes yes. And I would agree with Scorsese. Clearly, he still believes on some level. Um, Because the moment right before he apostatized, right before he denies Christ, Rodriguez, you know, all this conversation about silence, suddenly he hears a voice. And in the screenplay, it says it's the voice of Christ. And he really believes it's the voice of Jesus Christ, saying, and the voice says, Come ahead now. It's all right. Step on me. Again, remember, it's an image that they would step on as a sign that they didn't believe in Christ. I understand your pain. I was born into this world to share men's pain. I carry this cross for your pain. Step, your life is with me now. Show me your love. So this is the big conundrum. This is the big question mark over this whole film. And this is what Christians are debating. Is this, um, is he still a Christian even though he's denied his faith publicly? Is apostasy, that um, foregoing of the faith, is it the unforgivable sin? And what you'll hear in some Christian circles is, yes, it is the unforgivable sin. If you deny Christ, then you're not following him anymore. Um, And they're pointing to this one Christian commentator says um, that this film is not good. She'll say it's not good because rather than exaltation, it features capitulation. Rather than being inspiring, it simply deflates and confuses. I would disagree with her, but I can see how it could deflate and confuse, especially in light of Matthew 10, where Jesus says, "Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven." So there's real scriptural basis for this viewpoint. Um, there's another interview that I I don't have time to show you from Bishop um, Robert Barron, who has a lot of thoughts on culture and Um, he's a Catholic bishop a lot of thoughts on film and he has a great little clip on YouTube about this film where he talks about um, how he's kind of bored with the discussion in Christian circles how so many Christians love this film but he's saying they love this film because of this nuanced privatized Christian faith that's shown here is the same as the nuanced privatized Christian faith of those intellectual elites in our culture um, that don't live out their faith in the public sphere. Um, And so he's disappointed. He says that kind of faith seems justified by this film. So he he says, yes, I would still say they're Christians, but I only give them half a cheer. (laughs) And then he goes on to say, but I give three cheers for those Japanese Christians, like the three on the crosses who voluntarily give their lives who um, are willing to suffer and die rather than to deny Christ. He makes that point very clearly. And I think that's right. I think to say, yes, three cheers for those who have been given the gift of martyrdom, who are able to suffer and die for Christ. Um, But I think that um, then we say, what about the others? Those who don't have that strength, who wonder, and I wonder, Even when we see all of this on the news about Christians who are persecuted by ISIS, who are killed for their faith in the Middle East, and you wonder, what would I do in that instance? Lord, would I be strong enough to stand? Would I be strong enough to to profess faith in you if my life were on the line? Scorsese essentially is asking that question, and he's saying, I probably wouldn't be. And I almost wonder if Scorsese is looking at his own life, 50 years of making film and films that are catering to really um, some cultural values here in terms of violence and sex and all of that. Just think of The Wolf of Wall Street and yes he's depicting it negatively and yet he's still depicting it. Um, He is struggling with his own faith and the privatization of his faith. This is one of those movies that pushes his faith out into the public sphere in a good way. but, okay, so all throughout this, you see the law put forward in Matthew 10, whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. You see there the law, the perfect, the ideal set forward, that we would all have the strength to be able to profess faith in Christ even if our lives were on the line or the lives of those we loved and felt um, Uh, that it was our responsibility to protect and care for if their lives were on the line which is more like Father Rodriguez's situation that's the ideal, that's the law in Christ, yes, some many live up to it and some fail and early in the church there was something called the Donatist controversy that I'm not gonna go, go into, but essentially the bottom line of this controversy, there was a persecution in, in the fourth century, and some Christians denied their faith so that they could save their lives and the lives of their loved ones, and they swore that they didn't believe in Christ, and then when the persecution was over, when the emperor changed, the leaders changed, and suddenly Christianity was okay, and you weren't going to die for your faith, they said, no, I really still am a Christian. And these other Christians who had suffered, who had not denied their faith, were, were like, well, forget them. We don't want to have anything to do with them. And the church said officially, no, they, they can be forgiven. Um, and the church is made up of those who are obeying the law in this beautiful way by the power of the Holy Spirit and those who failed and are able to be restored. Um, to, to that life of grace in Christ thoughts about that, questions about that I'm going to read you a little more about that and point out some themes of forgiveness and mercy in the film, point to that bottom line here in the film too there are strong themes of forgiveness and mercy one little character if you do go see the film and I hope you do one character is this Japanese guy their guide who keeps committing apostasy he, you see him in the film step on an image of Christ like five times. And every time he comes back to the father, the priest, Father Rodriguez, and he asks for forgiveness. And he begs him to be able to confess his sins and receive absolution. And you see that the father, at the first time, he's like, wow, this is a breakthrough. This man is becoming a Christian again. By the fifth time, he is disgusted. He is so put out by having to forgive the, you know show God's forgiveness to this man and yet he does it anyway you see him offer and extend this forgiveness um, even though this repeated apostate um, has come back to him it, it keeps coming back um, Rodriguez seems annoyed and yet he keeps pronouncing God's absolution the last time though that this continued apostate comes to him to seek absolution is after Father Rodriguez has already committed apostasy himself, apostasy himself, and um, this Japanese man comes to him. He's dressed now like a Buddhist. He's living in um, a home. Ha- he, he's married. He has children. He's forsaken the Jesuit life. Um, he, in his mind, he has publicly forsaken Christ, and he's really a pawn in the hands of the Japanese authorities to continue to prevent Christianity from entering. Um, the Japan, the Japan um, in any way shape or form so he and Liam Neeson look at images to try to discern um, anything coming in any imports that are being brought in they'll say this has a, this has a Christian image in it don't let it come into the country and so they're actively working against public Christianity in the country this man Kichijiro comes back to Father Rodriguez for forgiveness And instead, now on this other side of his own apostasy, instead of being proud and self-righteous, he's broken. And he recognizes his own need for forgiveness, too. He says, I can't pronounce God's absolution upon you because I'm a sinner. Um, Isn't that what would have been there all along, had he recognized, I, too, need a Savior? Um, So in some ways, by committing this sin of apostasy, he recognizes, he's no longer self-righteous. He's now in recognition of his own sin. And as he begins to pronounce the absolution, he or as he's contemplating it, he once again hears that same voice, which we're to understand as the voice of Christ, saying, I suffered behind you. I was never silent. And Rodriguez says to the Lord in his head, I know, but even if God had been silent, my life to this day, to this very day, Everything I do, everything I've done, speaks of him. It was in the silence that I heard your voice. And so he views his act of apostasy as an act of mercy upon those who would have otherwise lost their lives if he didn't commit this public act of denial. He sees it as an act of grace for those in his charge, even though it puts him in this place of spiritual damnation. He believes he's spiritually damned, by the church because he's committed this act and yet his people are free so he goes ahead and he pronounces absolution for this man even though he doesn't feel worthy to be considered a priest and so i hear here in this um, matthew 18 and jesus saying again when he responds to peter peter comes up to jesus and asks him lord how many times shall i forgive my brother or sister who sins against me up to seven times and Jesus answered I tell you not seven times but seventy seven times we think that um, we we see also with Peter denying Jesus three times and at the moment when father Rodriguez commits his apostasy you hear the cock crowing isn't that amazing that Scorsese puts that in you hear a rooster crowing and yet we see in scripture that Peter is reinstated by the Lord Jesus in John chapter 21, and continues to be a leader in the church. So I'm just going to close. I know I'm running out of t- I'm out of time, but I want to close with a quote by Philip Yancey, the author of What's So Amazing About Grace? About this film, he says, "How easily we forget that the disciples who also betrayed their master founded the church. At his moment of greatest need, Jesus's disciples fled in the darkness." The boldest of the lot, Peter, was the very one who cursed and denied him three times before the cock crowed. It was for traitors that Jesus died. Endo centers his work on experiences of failure and shame because these leave the most lasting impact on a person's life. Jesus' most poignant legacy was his undying love, even for, especially for, those who betrayed him. When Judas led a lynch mob into the garden, Jesus addressed him as friend. On Calvary, while stretched out naked in the posture of ultimate disgrace, Jesus roused himself to cry out for his tormentors, Father, forgive them. We hear this also, um, Philip Ryken talks about this theology of the cross in light of missionary work. And so this will be the last thing before I pray. Um, He says, Father Rodriguez moves from idealism to realism on a spiritual pilgrimage. His vain ambition for missionary glory is chastised by disappointment, failure, and excruciating pain. At the same time, he moves from seeing the face of Jesus in perfect beauty to seeing it disfigured by suffering. This story of Father Rodriguez mirrors the calling of the church in the fallen world. As we move from expected triumph to the suffering that comes through experience, we desperately need a theology of the cross. We need to see the face of a Savior who is not only triumphant and exalted, but also crucified and humiliated. This is the authentic Jesus that every culture needs and that the church needs in every culture. A rejected Christ who suffered for us and knows our weakness. Only such a Christ is able to understand our pain and enable us to persevere to the very end, no matter how great the cost not to disclose the end of the movie but at the end of the movie there's a very small sign that Scorsese wants us to see that suggests that all along Rodriguez continued to believe in Jesus even though his public denial of Christ persisted he seems to have continued this private faith and so there is this hope of forgiveness for him hope of forgiveness for you and me especially if it were to come to it and we were not able um, to stand up for our faith, there's hope for us too so let's pray Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are um, most manifested in our weakness. That you, in, our, um, in our weakness, your power is made perfect. And that your grace is sufficient for us. And so we thank you, Lord, for this, um, this movie in our culture that shows this grace that you extend to us. Even in our brokenness, even in our denials of you. We ask Lord... Not just for ourselves, that you would transform us by this continued uh, truth, this knowledge that continues to have weight in our lives. But we also ask that you would work through this movie to um, cause this truth to trickle down in our culture as well. So we lift this up to you and we ask it in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen.